What's up, y'all? This is John and Wes back for another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. Before we get started with anything, I just want to ask Wes what the hell he's doing with a national shirt on. Bro, you ask me this every time. It is a Bryce Harper jersey shirt. Jer- jersey? T-shirt jersey? I don't know how the fuck they're, you call it. Um, And he's my favorite player in baseball. Everybody knows this by now. I still get disappointed every time you say it. I love Bryce Harper. I want to fill his jersey. Then we definitely can't do Bryce <laughs> Absolutely not. But for our recap, we're talking about some of the best games from week 11 of college football. And uh, there was a couple of upsets that we're going to talk about this week. Um, but before we get started, what are you drinking tonight? Um, I'm going to have to open it up on the air. To the 2022 East Division Champions. I don't know if y'all heard that, but the mountains are blue, baby. We're drinking. That's all I got to say. I have, uh, I don't know if you guys can tell with my voice, but I've been sick of shit all day. Um, I made myself some hot tea, some raspberry hibiscus. And then I put a put a little shot of barrel proof ASW Fiddler in there. There you go. There's the alcoholism. With uh, with a little bit, I put a little bit of local honey that we got from somebody in it too. So should be good to go. There's the alcoholism. It's good too. Very good. Um, and as you guys know, I actually just put it out before we started this. Our November ASW giveaway is up, and it's the same prizes as last month. So we're doing the bottle of Fiddler, a, an ASW hat, an ASW t-shirt, one of our t-shirts, one of our koozies, and one of our stickers. Um, I may have actually put that wrong in the post, so I'll have to change yeah, it Yeah, you put a hat, and I was really confused. I was like, when the fuck did we get a hat? Yep, no, I'll have to change that. <laughs> we do not have hats. Um, Kelsey and I were actually at the store earlier looking at maybe making some hats, but it's, it's, it's a process. Hey, um, David Booth, if you're listening, ASW hat, YouTube, it's blowing up. I need one. Oh, he sent me two. When I get it, I'll send you one. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you I still haven't got it yet, but when he, when I get it, I'll send you one. You mean with all my other shit that you owe me? Yes. <laughs> I, look, <laughs> bro, I am one of the most unorganized people you will meet. It So, it, complete sidebar, trying to make Dave Hooker his t-shirt and Sean yeah. Berry his t-shirt, right? <laughs> we went to five stores looking for t-shirts because I wanted just like a plain black pocket t-shirt, five different stores. You can't find them anywhere? Well, I finally found them. But I found them Friday at like 10.30 p.m. <laughs> on your way to Gainesville. No, we went to Gainesville on Saturday. But we will get to all of that. Um, First game we're going to talk about is Georgia's SEC championship opponent. God. LSU at Arkansas. And despite what we thought in the preseason, it's LSU and not Arkansas that is better. Uh, LSU honestly if you're an LSU fan listening 
First, thank you for listening. Second, you should be very concerned about this game in Atlanta. Jesus. <laughs> Just a couple, couple quick stats. LSU gave up seven sacks and eight tackles for loss. LSU only had 86 passing yards. And not let's let's not forget Arkansas's pass defense is 121st in the country. Jesus. And LSU only had 86 yards. And, you know, a lot of people be like, oh, well, they ran the ball. They didn't have to pass it. They had 3.9 yards per carry on average. Not great. Yeah, I think Jaden Daniels had like a nine QBR or something like that. Like, yeah, I don't look, I get it. Everybody's got a down week, especially after you pretty much won your Super Bowl last week. Brian Kelly beat Nick Saban for the first time in like their four matchups. You know, I get it. Everybody's got a down week. Um, but I mean, Daniels was eight for 15 for 86 yards passing. Horrible. Not good. Not good. You know what? I'm going to take back what I said last week. My apology that I had saying that Jaden Daniels was not the worst quarterback in the SEC like I predicted, but I'm going to go back on that. I don't think he's the worst <laughs> quarterback in the SEC. Oh, no, no, no. Um, that belongs to a Brady Cook. There, there are some other candidates. Um, mm. We're, we're going to get to one of them here in a minute. But I just look, Jane Daniels is uh is a more accurate Lynn Bowden Jr. from Kentucky from a couple years ago. Ooh. Super athlete. But um That's a name. Is he's not that good throwing the ball. And you're talking about an offensive line that gave up seven sacks, eight tackles for a loss going against this Georgia team that shut down the number one offense in the country a couple weeks ago. Jalen Carter's about to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Um the West is weak. I mean, we've been saying it all season that the East is probably better than the West this year. If you're take if you're taking top to bottom, I would still take the West because I think their average team level is higher. But if you're taking the top two teams from each division, I'm taking the East all day. Yeah, because I mean Tennessee didn't lose anybody from the West. Nope. Georgia didn't lose anybody from the West. Just throwing that out there. Not that I'm giving Tennessee praise. Fuck Tennessee. Fuck their fans. Fuck everything about that team, school, everything right now. They're the literal worst. Tennessee beat the SEC West division winners 40-13 to in Death Valley. <laughs> anyway, they quit trying to score after halftime against Tennessee. They were ahead so far. I... But going back to the LSU-Arkansas game, I think the best thing about that game was how the field was frozen and they turned on the sprinklers to try to get rid of the ice that was on the field. Which made it worse. Which made it worse. Like, come on, Arkansas. Disappointing. Um, you'd think you'd think they'd be a little bit better at um, maintaining a field considering, you know, Arkansas had a football team for the better part of 100 years. but And it snows in Arkansas. It's like they know what to do. It's not like it doesn't get that corner. That would be some shit you see the University of Florida do. They're like, uh, uh, what? Ice? I don't (laughs) – ice goes in drinks, not on the ground. What are you doing? Oh, we're in danger. Speaking of 
snow and ice. It's supposed to we're supposed to get snow this week. Every day this week's supposed to snow. Um, I can tell you that it was like sixty today, and I'm wearing a sweatshirt. So <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> it snowed last night. That sounds like hell. I can't wait to come back south. And you're going to another version of hell. Depends. I can I can choose to either go to Benning or I can switch and either go to Columbus or go to Columbia. So, which I haven't been to Columbia, so I might go there just because I haven't been. But that's that's story time for another day. Yeah, we will we will get to all that fun stuff and how you're gonna hate your life even more for a little while. <laughs> All right, let's go on to this next game um, involving Georgia's opponent for next week and a quarterback that's potentially worse than Jaden Daniels. We're talking about Vanderbilt at Kentucky. Hey, hey, hey. He is the number one pick next in this coming up draft, all right? Um, yeah, for sure. Um, if you're talking about number one pick in like the sixth round or something, maybe. <laughs> Vandy won an SEC game. Let's go, Van. Let's go, Doors. And not only did they win an SEC game, this is the first time since October 19th, 2019, that they won an SEC game. But they beat a ranked Kentucky team, right? Was there – then there, like, there was a symbol like this or something like that? I thought like, that was Louisville. I know it's like, something like that. I don't know. Anchor down. Yeah. Anchor down, Vandy. Um, so, Kentucky was ranked. And the last time they beat an SEC opponent, it was a ranked Missouri team in 2019. So Vandy not only has another SEC win, but another ranked SEC win. And I feel like that part's going overlooked. Good for them. And you called everything about Kentucky this offseason. I very much did not. (laughs) No, you were all about the hype. Look, man, Will Levis looked pretty good last year I, I was thinking he'll take a step forward they got a couple transfer receivers in you know their defense is always pretty good they didn't really lose anybody on the defense um but Kentucky's just bad yeah Kentucky's I tried telling you I don't know what the hype about Kentucky was because they had what two good seasons in the forever they've been a team like no oh and I found out what the what the anger down is it's, it's this <laughs> Vandy, stick to engineering because you're gang signs <laughs> of shit. We don't have a gang sign. We just bark at each other. Yeah, you know, we just <laughs> what? What did uh? What did Bobby say? Rabid dogs. <laughs> but you know, we're just going to talk about one of my favorite athletes in the SEC, Mike Wright. Got Dude, benched. Baller. Mike, got benched. Came out because AJ Swan is either sick or injured. I don't really know. Um, Mike Wright had 184 passing yards, which, if we're being 100% honest, not all that great. But he had 126 yards on the ground. I, once again, I will say it at Mike Wright if you decide to transfer, I will personally buy a red carpet, drive to Athens roll it out for you because if you decide to come to Athens as a wide receiver, you will be wide receiver one, two at worst next season. I don't know, lad. We'll, we'll get into the lad definitely made a fight for 
Wide receiver one next season. He's draft eligible. Lad? Yeah. Is he no bullshit? Not Lad's draft eligible. No, he's not going. I hope not. But <laughs> there's no way. He's draft eligible, I'm telling you. No, I, I believe you, but I'm saying there's no way he's going. Like, no way. He doesn't have not saying he doesn't have the tangibles, but like he hasn't had the season to go. We'll get into that though. He's a sophomore. Redshirt sophomore. Uh, it just says sophomore on ESPN. Doesn't say redshirt. Yeah, no, he's a redshirt sophomore. He didn't play in twenty twenty. Um, and then last yeah. year, this year. I mean, all in for Ben for Bennett, it just says senior. Doesn't say tenth year senior. So, yeah. But Kentucky, what have they built their hype around? Right, the defense. Yeah, they allowed two hundred sixty four rushing yards, which is crazy. Because looking at the Ole Miss game, they looked so good on defense. And uh, in case you're wondering, 264 rushing yards is also known as fucking awful. (laughs) Will Levis was under 50% passing for barely over 100 yards. They added 213 on the ground, but their balance is nowhere to be found. No. None. Hey. What's that? Hey, they probably had night games this year, so. They have had home night games this season. Uh-huh. Even Vanderbilt gets a night game. Yep. C-Rod. You know I like C-Rod. Drafted you love C-Rod. College fantasy team. You did. Nine yards per carry. Fuck. That, that's a lot. Um, Something, something – that I just think is absolutely hilarious. And it's about the team we're talking – or the game we're talking about next. You know, a lot of you guys know I went to the Florida-South Carolina game over the weekend, and I'm going to get into all that fun stuff. Um, but when the Vandy score went final, there were people in the stands that were Florida fans saying, we have to play Vandy next? Oh, my God. That's sad. <laughs> what has Florida become? And they were, like, legit – Florida fans, not not joking. Like they were legitimately concerned about playing Vandy next week. What are you looking That's at? Sad. I'm watching the Georgia basketball game. They're you know, winning. we're 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 Georgia. No, they're winning twenty eight to forty two, but a dude just missed a wide open dunk. How? Like for Georgia. You he missed a dunk? A wide open dunk. <sighs> I mean, granted, they're up 42 to 28, but, like, how do you miss it? I could have made it. No, you couldn't. You'd have had to get a ladder. <laughs> You're right, but still. <laughs> yeah, that was – oh, God, we got to cover basketball now that football's almost over, huh? God damn it. <laughs> so, so uh, I plan on trying to get Adam Spencer on the week after the SEC championship game, talk a little bit of basketball stuff. Yeah. When football is slowed down for a few weeks. I'm just saying our basketball team is so bad, but hey, they're red and black, so. <laughs> so now we're going to get on to that game that I was at this weekend, South Carolina at Florida. And, you know, this was my first time in the Swamp. I went with my wife, Kelsey, Sean DeBerry. Um, he's guest hosted a couple of times, and he brought his son. And this is going to shock every single one of you. There's a lot of positive takeaways. 
the stadium was sold out, but not a hundred percent full, which is kind of odd. Um, and with the exception of like two or three groups of people, everyone was pleasant. We got a bunch of confused looks and people like, what are you doing here? And we're like, you know, Mississippi state's a long drive. We live in Savannah, had the opportunity to go to this game for free, decided to come down here and experience the swamp. Everybody's like, Oh, okay. hope you have a good time. Shocked. But the ones that were not cool and pleasant, um, they only had the bravery to say things to us as we were walking away or they were walking away. Yeah, like most fans. Um, And, like, the people that we sat right next to the entire game, like, we left right after the Tom Petty thing in the fourth quarter, and I'll get to that here in a minute, but, like, the people we were sitting right next to the entire game as we were walking down the stairs, they did that na-na-na-na, hey-hey-hey, goodbye thing, and it's like, Bro, Florida just lost to Georgia by 22 points like two weeks ago. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> We're not South Carolina fans. No, this this black and red jersey that says Davis and 99 on it. <laughs> um, and not to mention the Bulldogs and G's and all that. That Those typically say Georgia and not South Carolina. God. Yeah, I – I don't get it. And then when we were like, we were literally getting in our car in the parking deck and somebody, a Florida fan that was leaving early, you know, because you leave home games early in the swamp, apparently. Um, he rolled his window down and yelled, fuck off dickhead as he was driving away. And it was a guy that I was just in the elevator with. <laughs> so it's not it, like, it's not like, I had not talked to the guy because he asked why we were there. You know, we had a pleasant conversation and, you know, everybody talked about hating Bama. We're like, all right, cool. Have a good night. And then he drove off and started yelling at us. And it's like, come on, come on, man. Come on, man. Yeah, I don't love it. But the Tom Petty thing, if you have not been to a Florida game and have the opportunity to go. No. The Tom Petty tribute was awesome. So Florida has an app for like in stadium maps and stuff like that. And there's a section where you can hit like light show and you hold your phone up and they do like a legit light show. Like oh, all cool. the lights move together and sparkle and flash. And it was super cool. It, it really was. And must be know, nice to experience, you know, a light show. Right. Um, but I will say, Surprisingly, the players were not into it. They were really? up three scores and just could not care less. And one, th I mean, if you've ever been to a, at least where the third to fourth quarter is night in Sanford Stadium, the players are hyped as fuck for the lights. Yeah, because they're badass. I just, I didn't, I didn't get that necessarily. Um, and then. Before the game, they did like a version of calling the dogs. And if you hadn't been to a game at Sanford Stadium, one sideline yells Georgia, the other sideline yells Bulldogs, and you go back and forth, and then everybody does go dogs, sick them, hoo hoo hoo, right? Um, so they did a version of that, and they yelled orange and blue at each other, which cool, whatever. Each school's got their own thing, right? Um, but they don't have like someone who's an alumni or former player, anything like that. 
they have a Gainesville version of a yell leader from A and M. That sounds like he tried to be Batman from the Dark Knight series, but he just inhaled enough in helium or helium <laughs> to not to kill most people. And it it was it sounded awful, and it was so unorganized. Like he would yell at one side, "Orange, orange, 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 orange." The other side would be like, "Blue," just one. <laughs> and they would go like, "Orange, orange, blue, 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 blue." And it was just, man, it was it was weird. And I try, I like, I sat through the entire game and tried to be objective and like have an open mind and experience it. Um, nope. But that that was odd. There was there was no like sequence. There was no order. It was just it was all over the place. And then the stadium steps. <laughs> like I have climbed mountains that were not this steep. Jesus. They were like no no bullshit. Like fourteen to sixteen inches rise between steps. Jesus. Like, if you look straight down the steps for a second, you got dizzy. And it wasn't just the section we were in. It was the entire stadium, including the suites. Like, after the sun went down, you could see inside the glass of the suites. Yeah. And they were just as steep. God. I don't don't get that. That just, especially because they sell beer in the stadium, like, you're asking for somebody to break their neck. (laughs) Just one slip and you're done. Yeah, one slip and they're going to wheel you out between quarters in the next home game. Like, <laughs> this fan is so committed to the University of Florida. Um, And then, you know, as Georgia fans, we talk a lot of shit about Anthony Richardson. But Florida fans were almost as bad. Really? So, you know, he would make one awesome play and they'd be like, hell yeah, go AR! And then he would hold on to the ball for too long and, like, not take an open throw and get sacked. And they'd be like, this kid needs to be benched. He's awful. (laughs) And it was play-to-play. Way, way off. Weird. Always. Even with Georgia fans. And I will say their halftime show, because it was, like, Veterans Day. They did their Veterans Day thing. Yeah. Their halftime show was awesome. They did it? it. They did like a where the band did a shape or whatever for each branch. <coughs> Sorry guys, I'm trying not to die. Dying over there. Um but for each branch they did like a different thing on the field and there was a moving component. So for the army, they made the shape of a tank where the tracks were moving. Like they oh, were cool. in a circle. For the Navy, they did a submarine and they had the line of water going up and then moving. Oh, that's cool. No, it was, I respect the hell out of their band. One, because it was November and 85 degrees. <laughs> um, but two, just that that whole show was awesome. <sighs> but my takeaway from this game, football-wise, I feel bad for Spencer Rattler at this point. <laughs> and I say that because... He did everything in his power to make good plays. Yeah. He didn't have any, he didn't have any like uh, inaccurate throws this week. There was one time where he hit um, Josh Van in the hands on a slant route. He was wide open. 
gets hit. Josh Van gets hit. Just tosses the ball in the air. And Florida returns it for like 15 yards. Jesus. Is that the fumble? I didn't see watch the game. Where that was, dude, the fucking Desmond is like 415 pounds. No. No, that's that four bills. Mr. Four Bills just sat there and ripped the ball out of Jaheim Bell's hands and <laughs> took off. And you know what? Another reason I feel bad for Spencer Rattler. He was so committed that his barely 200-pound ass tried to tackle a man that weighs more than 400 pounds and successfully did it. I was saying he did. He successfully tackled a man that weighs twice what he does and almost had a strip out of it. I never thought when we started this podcast I would feel bad for Spencer Rattler, but seeing that in person, I can't help but feel bad for Spencer Rattler. It's hilarious. Um, bad news. What? Uh, four-star cornerback Daniel Jones or Daniel Harris has just decommitted from Georgia. That's odd. Hmm. But things like that, Kirby typically doesn't. Um, he typically doesn't downgrade after a decommitment. Yeah. A lot of people in the comments are putting in gator emojis. Great. They need the help. <laughs> Georgia's got three starting defenses of four and five stars. Florida needs the help. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, um, I didn't watch a lot of games just because it was South Carolina and Florida, and I could give two shits about both those teams. But I am highly upset with you, though. Why? Not for going to the game, but for getting your Beamer ball towel. I did. Chris Phillips made sure that I got my towel on time, um, and it is sitting on my kitchen counter still. He's probably waiting for that picture, too, but, you know. Yeah. I'll um, I don't know how I'll make it up, but I I'll make it up. But <laughs> the way that South Carolina fans were getting treated in the stadium, if I'd had a Beamer ball towel and was wearing Georgia gear, people oh, might have tried to start a fight. Hey, that's why you always need to bring me. I'm always down for a good fight. Well, it was it was myself who is fairly large, um, and then Sean who's also fairly large. And Sean's son is 15 years old and about the same size I am. Jesus. Um, Yeah, so I don't think anybody would have actually started a fight. (laughs) But I think some people would have been a little bit more upset with us. (laughs) Um, So a game that I didn't put in here, but if you want to, we can talk about it. I didn't really have that much of a chance to watch it. Bama Ole Miss. I know you watched it. I did. I just – so – I was trying to – I was actually dual screening, um, except for the second screen was live on the field in front of me. (laughs) I I watched parts of the Bama Ole Miss game while I was at the Florida-South Carolina game. But I'll let you talk about that for a minute. Yeah, so it was a good game. Um, Bama is who we thought they were coming into this game, if that makes sense. Um, Not that good. If it wasn't for Bryce Young, they would have got blown out. Bryce Young made plays that, if he has had a better season, would have kept him in the Heisman race, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
he made plays to keep them in the game and the play calling towards the end of the towards the end of the game by Lane was something that we don't see a lot from Lane. Um just horrible play calls, horrible schemes. Um Jackson Dart couldn't get out of the pocket to save his damn life towards the end of the game. You know, to keep well, playing. He, he did almost get decapitated by Dallas. No, he, he did get decapitated. There was no almost, no. And that was actually a play that we were watching when it happened. And I will say, you can tell by how Dallas Turner reacted after the play. It was unintentional, and he oh, felt yeah. bad about it. Like, he immediately got up and, like, walked over to Jackson Dart, and it looked like he apologized because that was – That was brutal. Yeah. But the play – I don't know if it was Dallas Turner, but somebody did have a dirty play it where they straight up just pushed, they sacked him, getting up both hands on the back of Jackson Dart's head, shoves it into the dirt right in front of the officials, and nothing. Yeah, I did see that. I don't I don't think that was Dallas Turner, but, yeah, that was dirty. And then there was a defensive P.I. on a receiver coming across the field who just got deep cleated. Oh, the guy that got tackled while the ball was in the air? Yeah, nothing. The officiating this weekend just all around, because even during the Jordan-Mississippi State game, the officiating was horrible both sides. Yeah, I don't – something needs to be done about SEC officiating. On, it's, it's the worst I've ever seen it. It's bad. But, no, that – Lane Kiffin blew that game. They had, they had their foot on Alabama's throat, but they couldn't finish the job. So, the – the quote from Lane Kiffin after the game, and I don't have the exact quote, but it was in the gist of the question was, why didn't you run Quinchon Judkins towards the end of the game? Yeah. And his answer, which I get, because Judkins had, what, like a 40-yard run to get him down in the red zone, and he was visibly, like, gasping for air as they were yeah. trying to run hurry up. Like, I get not giving him the ball. But didn't didn't Ole Miss have timeouts? Yeah, I think I'm not. Yeah, that's. I think they might have had like one. But earlier in that game, they could have prevented being down six. Because earlier in that game, they had a chance for three points, but decided to go for it on like four on fourth down and got stuffed. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. Lane is all about analytics. And I, I feel, as much as I hate to say it, the way, Lane, the way Lane called this game towards the end makes it seem like he doesn't want to be at Ole Miss anymore. And maybe not even that, but almost like I don't think he thinks he can beat Nick Saban. Hell. Which is just a wild, wild concept. Because he's been the closest out of anybody until Kirby and Jimbo did it. Yeah. It's but like it's almost like he's not sure that he can beat Nick Saban because all the analytics show who's your best player, Quinchon Judkins. Yeah, how do you get him the ball? Take a timeout. You have one. You need a score to win. Take a timeout. Yeah, but it was crazy to see like the end of the game too, like. I've never seen Nick Saban that happy at the end of a game. Not, Not even a national championship game. 
than he was after beating Ole Miss on Saturday. I think his mentality's changed along with the team's mentality. Because I mean, at, at this point, I think most people have seen the um, that clip of Bo Scarborough and former Alabama players just going off on this current team. Yeah, because this isn't Alabama we're we're used to seeing. No, it's not. And I don't want to say that you know, oh, the Bama dynasty is over, because we all know it's not. We all know until until Saban's out of there, I, it's not over. They're not done. No, but. It's not where it was. I think the tides are starting to turn, all pun intended. <laughs> um, and a lot of people are saying it, you know, oh, Georgia's the new Bama. Like, no, that's that's not it. But Georgia is going to be the team of the 2020s. And, I mean, with Bama, I don't, I don't think the dynasty's over. But I think everybody else is caught up. Yeah. And I don't I don't think they get better next year. Because they're gonna lose. I know for a fact they're losing Bryce Young, Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. I believe Will Anderson is draft eligible, but I could be wrong. He may only be a sophomore. Um but still, their only good position on the teams they currently have, quarterback, running back, outside linebacker. Yeah. So and maybe – Two out of those three, and we've seen what they have behind Bryce Young. It's not good. Yeah. So maybe all the Alabama fans were right last year, and maybe Bama would have beat us if they had both the receivers because obviously they can't win this year with them without them. I mean, that that's fair. I said it in the SDS group. Offensive player of the year should be Jameson Williams and John Mechie because we all know what Bama would have done if they had him. Yeah. Point blank period. They should be the 2022 offensive players of the year. Because, I mean, it's just a fact. We all know what they would do if they had those guys. It's a fact. But no, I think – was Bryce Young overhyped coming out of high school? No, because Bryce Young's the only reason they haven't lost four or five games this season. Yep, I, I, I have heard that argument that Bryce Young was overhyped and overrated coming out of high school. No, I I absolutely think the opposite. If anything, he was a little underrated because if you put almost any other quarterback in college football as quarterback of this Bama team right now, they have four losses. Oh, easily. And I think that they're – two losses that they currently have would have been significantly more. Yeah. Um, but are you ready to move on to your bandwagon team taking an L? Don't even, because yours isn't even ranked. Hey, my bandwagon team did not lose this weekend. <laughs> they were on a bye. They were on a bye. Can't lose on a bye week. That is true. Um, yeah, let's talk about it. So, Washington at Oregon, you know, Oregon is effectively out of the playoffs. Pac-12's only hope for the playoff now is USC with a coach that's like 0-4 in the playoffs. 
<laughs> That's fine. As long as Tennessee doesn't get in, I don't care what the coach's record is. Because I'm going to pull out the Tyler Banks meme for Oregon. We were rooting for you. <laughs> we were all rooting for you. That, yes. And let, just to be clear, if Bonix had not miss, missed an offensive drive and then been visibly injured in that last drive, they probably win the game. Dude, it was, what, third and one, fourth and one? With timeouts left, Bo Nix is looking at Dan Lanning, put me in, put me in, put me in, put me in. All he had to do was call a timeout and put Bo in, and they would have got that fourth down. Yep. Because Bo is one of the best QB sneakers out there. Like, I don't know how. Yeah. No, I mean, he's a hell of an athlete. Yeah. But, but... man. If Bonix didn't miss that drive, it'd Oregon be a different story. Oregon, yeah. Oregon would probably have a better chance to make the playoffs than Tennessee. They'd won this game. Um, but they didn't because Bonix got hurt. Yeah, let, let's pull it up right now. ESPN has like this um the playoff predictor. Yeah, I gotta find it. All right. I mean, <clears throat> this game was very fun to watch. I watched it driving back from from uh, from the Florida game. And this is definitely going to be one of those games that, you know, a lot of people go back and watch in, like, August when everybody's getting ready for football season. It was so back and forth. It was so good. <laughs> Both of these offenses did whatever they wanted to do. Oh, I can't even pick Oregon anymore. Rushing yards, 280 passing yards. Michael Penix had 408 passing yards, and then Washington as a team had 114 rushing yards. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> what else could you ask for in a Pac-12 game other than 60 minutes of offense? Yeah. Um, so going back to what you're saying, the Pac-12's only hope is USC, right? Yep. So they went out, you know, the rest of their game. Um, they win the title game. They have a 37% chance to make it. With, with ESPN's love of USC and Lincoln Riley, if they have if they are a one-loss conference champion, I think they make it in over Tennessee. Well, let's go to Tennessee's predictions. Odds. Tennessee. All right, they went out, didn't make the conference championship game. Right. Um, they still have a 66% chance to make it. What the hell? That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> yeah, no, that game, it was the most packed 12 game you could have had. Yeah, it was that's awesome. Even, that's even a thing. It's a, it was awesome. It was great. Bo but Nix is officially out of the Heisman race. USC's last two games. They're against currently ranked opponents. UCLA Utah. and Notre Dame. I thought they played Utah. No, who played? Played Utah. Think... They lost to Utah. Uh, someone plays Utah coming up. Is it Oregon? I don't know somebody plays Utah. So, do you think USC can go undefeated through the Pac-12 championship game? I mean, they play a ranked UCLA team and a ranked Notre Dame team. Notre Dame's over, overrated. 
They almost lost the Navy. Yes, but that's, you know, Ohio State's quality win. No, nah, man. They – uh, Northwestern's their quality win. Uh, it's windy. It's windy. A one-win Northwestern team. Um, but, yeah, I think if Notre Dame – if not Notre Dame, if USC wins out and wins the Pac-12, I see the committee putting them in over TCU. But my final – already, like, my final is set. I think the loser of Ohio State-Michigan takes the four seed at the end. I think it depends on how close that game is. If it's a one possession game, I agree. Yeah. Because then it would be, they would be putting in a Tennessee team that looked completely overmatched and lost by two scores over either Ohio State or Michigan that lost by less than two scores. Yeah. So I think, I think to be completely, 100% honest, if TCU, Georgia, USC, and either Ohio State or Michigan make it the rest of the season undefeated, I think those are the four. As long as it's not Tennessee, I don't give a shit. I just – they keep talking about conference champion this, conference champion that. You have to value it. That I mean, in the new playoff system, conference champions get an automatic bid. Yeah. And then this season they're going to be like – Oh, well, um, USC is a conference champion, but they have one loss. So we're going to put a one-loss team that never even played in their conference championship over them. They didn't even win the division. Yeah, Yeah, that doesn't doesn't make sense to me. I mean, we know how wonky the committee is, so. Fair. Are you ready to talk about Georgia game? Let's do it. So, y'all know me. I'm a little bit negative. I don't think the box score tells the full story on this game. Because I think Mississippi State was better than – or I think the box score tells the story. The scoreboard does not. Mississippi State played better between the 20s than the score would indicate. Yeah. And just like Sarthic said, consistency on third down and fourth down is the reason they – could not score on a consistent basis. I'm not going to say that they were going to win. Not even going to say that they were going to score, put up two or three touchdowns. I'm going to go off of what you said, and I think that the scoreboard shows more because we only allow one touchdown that game. That that punt return, little squib punt thing like that, I don't know what the hell happened there. But the defense only allowed one touchdown. So take that away, and the game's not even what it showed on the scoreboard. But Mississippi State had more yards than Georgia allows on average. I mean, we knew that was going to happen with that with that type of offense. Right. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Mississippi yeah. State performed on offense better than the average, or better than Georgia has allowed on average this season. And I think. You know, from what you see in most games and most box scores, every 100 yards of offense or so equates in a touchdown, right? Yeah. Mississippi State, if if you're going to use that very broad generalization, right, Mississippi State should have had three touchdowns. They had 308 total yards of offense. 
Um, I just, just like Sarthic was telling us, the consistency on third and fourth down is literally the reason they only got one touchdown. Yeah. Um, Stetson, pretty good day. I, you know, 67% completion, 289 yards. He was credited for two interceptions. Dude, that second one. That should, that, that shouldn't be counted as an interception. That should be counted as an act of God. (laughs) Cause that's like, yes. Did Alabama do that in 2020 when Georgia played in Tuscaloosa? Yes. You know what is not accurate? Mississippi State's defensive line is nowhere near what Alabama's was in 2020. And the fact that, like, he hit it down and And it it landed in his arms. He just sat there. And he just took it from him. Like, what? Yeah. In my personal stat book, that's one interception. Oh, yeah. One interception and an act of God. Yeah. But go, going back to, you know, the interceptions, and I, I've been seeing it all over, you know, Twitter, obviously, uh, our Facebook group, you know, we we are minus two in the turnover margin right now for the season. Yep. And oh. a lot of it has to come, you know, the running backs, for whatever reason, can't hold on to the ball this year. It makes no sense. Guys and, that have never had problems fumbling before just dropping it. And I, I think Stetson is trying to get a little too greedy with a lot of his throws. At times, I agree. And do I think that can be a problem in the long run? Yeah. I hope it gets fixed before the playoffs because we can't afford to be minus two in the turnover margin going into the playoffs. Georgia is ranked 80, tied for 82nd nationally in turnover margin. Yeah, that doesn't have, like, that's crazy. And the thing about turnovers is a lot of the time it's not – you see a lot of times where a team will fumble the ball and just the way the ball hits the ground, it bounces up to the team that fumbled it. Yeah. And a lot of times it bounces the other way because of the way footballs are shaped, you can never predict it. We haven't got a lucky bounce at all. No. Luck turns around eventually. But it's just been wild this year with how – how little ball security the running backs have had. And even, you know, week four, we were talking about should Ladd get benched? Boy. And, you know, I'm sure you're going to talk about this here in a minute, but we got to talk about it real quick. Ladd <laughs> McConkey, you know, five foot nothing, 180 nothing. Receiver out of North Georgia, had one D1 scholarship offer, three-star, all this. He was the University of Georgia's leading receiver and ball carrier. Oh, one carry. On one carry. He had over 100 scrimmage yards in the third quarter. <laughs> we're going to say, say it again. Todd Munkin don't miss. No. When I, when I put it, what was it? That, um, my honky-tonk, badonkadonk. Honky Tonk McConkey Donk. Yeah, Honky Tonk McConkey Donk. <laughs> and someone else that we got to talk about real quick, Kendall Milton. Let's he go. Made his first full comeback in like six weeks. My, my breakout star for this season. 8.2 yards per carry and the first time he's been healthy since like week two. Yeah. 
My breakouts are finally doing something. Well, he dealt with an injury in the preseason, and then he re-injured it in very early in the season. Yeah. Finally, like, fully healthy. 8.2 yards per carry. Yeah, he did his thing. I Defensive line, everybody's like, oh, you can't have two Super Bowls in a season. Tennessee wasn't their Super Bowl. That was we're finally healthy bowl. Yeah. Because defensive line, zero steps back. No. They had one sack, five tackles for loss, three quarterback hurries, and getting to the quarterback was not an emphasis during this game. It, no, it wasn't. They didn't blitz. They let him sit back and say, we're going to take away your easy routes, beat us with what you're not good at, and they couldn't do it. Yeah. No, Jalen Carter was definitely a factor in that game. Oh, yeah. Jalen Carter is making a case to uh, take Will Levis's spot as number one tri- draft pick. <laughs> <laughs> now, it, it was good to finally see a healthy defense Yeah, for the most part for the most part I mean you still got obviously Nolan Smith's not in there but as they talked about in the broadcast George has essentially done everything but give him a headset they made him a coach yeah he yeah and if you, I don't know but like I was kind of panning back and forth between the game and, you know, seeing him on the sideline. And he was 100% coaching that defense. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what you want to see from a veteran leader. You know, they're they're taking up a a travel spot for him. Yeah. To be able to do that, and it's paying off. Yeah. No, I – Nolan Smith, even, you know, obviously he made that – those sacks in the national championship game last season. He's been a great player for years, but he is further endearing himself to the fan base with what he's able to do as essentially a coach. Yeah. While he's still on the roster. He is Clark Kent. Yeah. You know, on the sideline, the glasses, you know, put him, put him in shoulder pads. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, after he made that sack in the national championship and pointed to his ring, that was his. Uh, yep. That was it. But no, I, I am glad he, that he's doing this, and I'm glad to see this team, you know, rallying behind that. Because I mean, you got Dan Jackson, out, Nolan Smith. Granted, Dan Jackson wasn't a household name unless you are a Georgia fan, but he was one of the highest graded safeties in the nation which was crazy to think Dan Jackson was one of the highest, greatest safeties in the nation. <laughs> but it's it's good to see this team finally start getting healthy. I mean, AD didn't travel, but Kirby saying he's day-to-day for the Kentucky game and could possibly play. So At this point, I really hope they do get him some playing time because he's, he's going to be rusty. Yeah. He needs playing time against Kentucky, which, you know, 3.30 game, even though Kentucky's not good. And then, you know, that noon kick at home versus Georgia Tech. Dude. This is what what is what what did you pose the first time since 1970? I think it's since, since 1972. And I could be yeah. misremembering the stat, but I'm pretty sure this is the first time since 1972 that the reigning national champion does not have a home night game the next season. Yeah, Virginia. Um, but not only is it the reigning national champion, current number one team in the country, 
Been number one all season. Well, except a couple weeks. Uh, you mean a couple of days? Well, they didn't start the season at number one in the AP. Okay, true, true. They got to number one after Bama, after the Texas game, I want to say. Yeah. And they dropped but, it after the Kent State game, and then they got back. But no, I like, how do you not give this team at least one home game? Vanderbilt, Tennessee is a night game, and Georgia, Tennessee couldn't be a night game. What? As soon as I saw that Tennessee was not a night game, I knew Georgia wasn't going to have one because no. Georgia Georgia versus Georgia Tech has not been a night game since 2010. That's and that's, that's with Georgia Tech having some good, like, conference championship level yeah. between then and now. So, I mean, I could have called that one. Well, at least I get to get that game over with early, so. Yeah. We we can all watch Cadillac Williams beat beat Alabama and get offered a contract on the field. Dude, I'm telling you, I've been saying this all week. Wait, why don't we talk about that game? It's a great question. After we after we finish recapping this Mississippi State Georgia game, I, I got some stuff I want to talk about. All right. Yeah, we'll get to it. Um <laughs> Offensive MVP. I think we all know who it is, but I want you to talk about it. Uh, it's just a minute. Nah, uh, definitely Lad. <laughs> Granted, like, he had two touchdowns, you know, the one um, receiving and one rushing, which that rushing touchdown coming off the end and just leaving everybody. Well, not it's- only that, but he had to he had to make a couple moves. Like, yeah, the blocking was good, but there was yeah, a but- couple guys unblocked that he had to make miss yeah. and then just left yeah i love his touch like after the um rushing touchdown the cowbell motion boy but no that was i look cattail oh there he, he is i hate a thin cat he wants to <laughs> <be> on youtube <laughs> but no that it was definitely glad i mean it, it could have went probably to the whole offense honestly oh he is now climbing on the computer let's not do that it, it the whole offense honestly could could get this award. You got Darnell scoring only his second touchdown as a Bulldog, which is weird. We I mean we've yelled about it forever now. Darnell in the red zone, he needs to be used for. Yeah, Brock first play of the game. Well not first play, like first two plays of the game. And then that that move by old Stequavius. Taking taking old buddy's soles and ankles. And not only that, he pointed over to the sideline as he was still running into the end zone. Like, this whole – you know what? Lad gets one A, the rest of the offense gets one B. Because Steph wasn't even touched that game. You know, let's let's just put it out in the universe. Stetson needs a fresh-ass fade before every game. Every game. (laughs) We, We love the fro. But uh, if you're going to play like that with a fade. Oh, I mean, and then you got old girl on the sideline who, you know, filling them up. Boy, <laughs> she she was she was rubbing his arm at CN dollar signs. Oh, yeah. But the best part about it was at the end of the game, I don't know who Stetson was looking at, but he was pointing up in the bleachers and said, you, over there, and then, like, kind of gave him, like, a little, like, wink, like, yeah, let's go. And I'm like, oh, he's talking to somebody's girl. 
<laughs> yeah, no, he, I'm, you know, obviously I don't know, but I'm just going to say it. Will Rogers may have got cheated on on Saturday night. <laughs> just going to put it out there. And we are Will Rogers respecters. Oh, yeah. But uh, he so, got outplayed by a 5'10 walk-on quarterback. So before we move on and you give your defensive, since we're talking about Stoquavius, does he have NFL tangibles? Could he be an NFL quarterback? I think the best comparison for him, for someone that's had success in the NFL, is going to be Russell Wilson. Average height, mobility, strong enough arm. He can make plays. The biggest difference between him and Russell Wilson, to me, is just the size. Yeah. Because Stetson is smaller physically. Like, he doesn't have the muscle mass. Yeah. So, I'm sure Stetson will get drafted. I'm I'm sure Stetson will get drafted. With with how he's played over the last two years, coming from a walk-on to a national championship quarterback, that back to back. I was about to say that could possibly go back to back. Knock on wood. Oh God, I don't have any wood. Yes, you do. Right behind you. <laughs> uh, I think he'll get drafted. Yeah, but I don't know if he'll be given a fair opportunity. So kind of like the Tebow treatment, except not being able to play tight end. <laughs> Maybe, but I, I see more of it as a – I can see the Jake Fromm treatment. Yeah, he's on, like, his fifth team now. Well, he got – I think he got cut again. Again? Because, I mean, during the COVID season, after the Bills drafted Jake Fromm, they literally told him in the offseason, they said, we're going to keep you on the roster. They said, you're our emergency quarterback. Yeah. You're smart. You can make plays. You can do whatever we ask of you. But we're going to keep you away from the starting roster because Just if, in case. if if shit hits the fan, we need somebody healthy. And I don't necessarily think they're going to the team's going to do that with Stetson, but I think he'll be that guy, just like he was at Georgia in 2020 and 2021. Like you know, you're a great player, we love you, but you're you're break glass in case of emergency. Yeah, you know who needs to get him. Just because I love when teams take Georgia players, the Falcons. Why? Just because. If they're not going to use them, just take them. Like, why not? You know how much jersey sales there would be? You know how much money they would make? I think a team that could take him and do well would be Carolina. No, fuck no. They need a quarterback. No, no fuck Carolina. We'll, we'll go back to this closer to the draft. But no. All right. All right. Defensive MVP. Smile Mondin. Clear winner. Clear yeah. winner. He is, like, if you went on Madden and designed a modern inside linebacker, this is what this is what you get, right? Like, he's athletic enough to spy the quarterback. Yep. He's physical enough to play the run game. Yep. Fast enough to rush the passer. He can cover running backs – as they run routes out of the backfield. He's covered slot receivers running routes and done it well. I just – eight tackles, five solo, one tackle for loss, one pass breakup when he was covering someone and a quarterback hurry. He had a stat in almost every 
category against a very dangerous offense. Yeah. And he's got at least one more season on campus. God, dude, dude's been – yeah. He's definitely been making a name for himself because I'll be honest with you, until this season, I I didn't know who he was. I knew who he was just because he came from one of my high school's rivals. Oh, okay. Yeah, see. So, where – actually, the house he grew up in is probably like 10 minutes from the house that I lived in when I went to high school. Oh, wow. Yeah. Awesome player. There's a reason he was a five-star. Yeah. And think about the inside linebackers, really all the young guys on the defense, is they get better literally every week. Yeah. And it's just going to keep going. Because, I mean, we got what, Sorry, Xavier Sorry, still sitting back there? Yeah. He Xavier Sorry, he's going to be – I think he's going to be an outside linebacker. Um, that's where he's played the most. I think last year when he played outside linebacker, he had that pick against UAB. Yeah. Um, and he had a sack against Tech last season playing outside linebacker. No, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. At least that Monin will be on the team next year. I just think it's funny because you already know what's going to happen. What's going to happen next year too? Oh, Georgia lost all these defensive players to the draft. They're not going to be able to, you know, to do what they did last year. Well, fuck. They said the same thing this year. I think the people that pay attention no. are going to say it again. Yeah. Like, I, you know, shout out Connor O'Gara, real good friend of the show. He said that this season, and then multiple times this year, he has retracted that statement. Oh, I have a question, though, about Connor. Okay. So, he picked Tennessee in the preseason. Yep. When we had him on, he picked Georgia, didn't he? No. He picked Tennessee. Did uh, I thought he retracted what he said when he came on our show and picked Georgia. No, uh, he picked Tennessee. Okay. I, so I texted him after that game, um, and you know if you haven't read the article that he wrote after that game, go on SDS's website Saturday Down South and read it. Yeah. First, it's a phenomenal article. Um, but I texted him and I was like, I was gonna text you a smart ass remark, and then I read the article. <laughs> That was the end of the conversation. Not really. I mean, we kept texting, but that was that was the yeah, end that. of the talk because of. I mean, fantastic writer, good person. Yeah, if great dude. If you don't read his stuff, you're wrong. <laughs> there you go, Connor. We're pl- we're plugging it for you. Always. <laughs> um. So we've got our. Walker went 16 yards. He drove right over Orange Church, just driving and running with those big guys. My God, a fresh award of the week. Um, and it's Malachi Starks again. Again, <laughs> we're going to go back to naming the award, the Malachi Starks award. Yeah, no, I, I mean, so Malachi Starks. For those of you that don't know, tied Sm- Smile Mondin for tackles for total and solo tackles. He had eight tackles. Eight total, five solo. Um, And if you watch the game, he understands the defense as a true freshman. Like this time last year, he was playing high school playoff football. And he understands the defense enough as a true freshman that he was calling out coverages and directing traffic before the snap on defense. I mean, I just... I and that's I'm gonna go back to what we were saying 
earlier. I think that's a product of Nolan Smith too being a coach. Well, not only that, um, I think it's not just Nolan Smith, but when it oh, comes he's... to Malachi Starks, I think a lot of it is Christopher Smith. Yeah. Because Christopher Smith, I mean, if you guys remember in, what was it, 2020, when Richard LeCount got hurt after the Florida game? And you had Christopher Smith step in, and he wasn't that highly recruited coming out of high school, and there was no drop-off. Like, a safety position at Georgia has been phenomenal for the better part of a decade. Yeah. I mean, it, no drop-off it, between Richard LeCount and Christopher Smith. And then Christopher Smith has played a ton and made nothing but big plays over the last two, three years. Yeah. I mean, we've said it before. He's my current favorite player on this team. Dude's a nightmare for opposing offenses because not only does he – not only can he play the safety position and run support and blitz and all that kind of stuff, but he'll go – he'll play corner at times. And like do full on coverage on wide receivers and do well. And when he comes up and runs support, it's just like a streak across the field and the running backs laying on the ground. <laughs> he, he is a human eraser. Oh, you got a hole erased. Oh, you got a big plate erased. I'm just think back to that game, the game one against Oregon. Big blast play. There's no corner in sight. Dude catches the ball, immediately gets just obliterated by Christopher <laughs> Smith. And it's like, what? Where did you come from? This need, he, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's figured out teleportation. He had to have. Because it doesn't make sense. It just. Yeah. All right. So you said you wanted to talk about Cadillac Williams once we got done with the Georgia game. I want to talk about just that game in general. All right. Um, I don't like. I don't even know where to begin, though. So, the fire coming out of that that fan base, that team who has three wins on the season, well, now four, and could be fighting for bowl eligibility against Alabama. I have not seen from a team with three wins. Ever. Ever. You could tell they wanted that game, and you could tell that they believed that they could win that game. From the – I wouldn't even say the kickoff. From coming out of the tunnel. Because I, I don't know if you if you had a chance to watch it or not. But um, remember when – how were they playing? Anyway, I don't remember. I want to say it was Kent State. Georgia's first home game this season. Yep. And they were, like, kind of, like, talking in front of the tunnel and Kirby, you know, the team comes out. Well, they did that for this Auburn game, and they were interviewing Cadillac as he's walking out. And the passion and fire that he had just coming out of the tunnel, I was like, yeah, like, this game's over. I mean, I picked Auburn to win. Yeah. I didn't. And I even had them in my parlay, which my parlay would have fucking hit what for Oregon. Thanks a lot. Um, Thanks, Bonex. Yeah, thanks, Bo Nix. Um, no. And just that the AM offense, there there was none. If Auburn had a better offense, this game wouldn't have even been close. 
So looking at the box score here, and just for full transparency, I didn't have a chance to watch this game. I was driving back from Gainesville. Um, Auburn had 60 yards passing. Yeah. Right? They had 270 yards on the ground. And as much as Robbie Ashford has been a part of this offense, he only had 47 rushing yards. Yeah, Tank went off. Jarquez Hunter had the same amount of yards as Tank and 10 less carries. Yeah. They they're that's what I'm saying. If they had a better offense, this game wouldn't have been close. No. Uh AM could not figure out what to do on offense. Um granted they had a true freshman and they had Wegman in, but the fan base, Jordan Hare was loud. Texas AM didn't score a touchdown until a minute twenty four left in the game. Yeah. But and not so we we kind of mentioned it a minute ago. Auburn could be fighting for bowl eligibility against Bama. They have Western Kentucky next week. They're going to be fighting for bowl eligibility against Alabama. Yeah, because you don't think that Cadillac that's in Cadillac's head. Like it's everywhere. Like they need to give this man the job. The passion, the love. If, I think if he gets the job, he brings recruits. A lot of people are like, oh, he's not the big name. He's not the splashy name. But he cares about the school. He cares about the players. He cares about that university. He can't, Literally, he is Auburn. Everything that you would want in a coach, personality-wise, experience, he, he doesn't have the experience. Point blank period, right? Okay. So, experience. You know who does have the experience? Jimbo. And where's he at right now? Last in the West. Not bowl eligible. Yeah, three wins. Yep. But if you designed a coach, like if you could pick all the qualities you want in a coach, Cadillac has every single one of them except for experience. But you know what's going to happen if they give him the job? Coordinators are going to want to work for him. Yeah. When you have somebody that fired up about the school, the players, the recruits, every aspect of being a head coach for the University of Auburn or Auburn University, however they say it. <laughs> People are going to want to work for him and with him. Yeah. I just – granted, it is going to be a giant hill to climb because the game's at Alabama. But I, I think if he can find a way to win that game, which once again, that is a giant mountain to climb. Yeah. We're not saying they're going to win. They're going to be mo- they're going to be more motivated than Alabama in that game. Oh, one hundred percent. And I think if Auburn can find a way to win it, they I if they don't give Cadillac the job, then they're going to lose a, r- a lot of people. Yeah, because I mean the amount of alumni, former players that were there. There was some, there was Cadillac. more than thirty. Yeah, because this was his first home game. Yeah, as head coach and. By God, I don't know if you saw after the game. They were like, there was a party in that stadium after the game. Oh, I believe it. Cadillac going over to the fans, like going over to the student section. Like they they did their, their swag surf thing. And like, I've never seen a stadium, a fan base that fired up and that excited about a three and 16. Four and six now. Four and six, but at the time, three and six. Yeah, no, 100%. I, you know, I truly believe that Cadillac deserves the job. 
it may take him four years to get Auburn back to like contending for the SEC championship because they have a lot of holes in the roster. Yeah. But if they give him the job and give him time, I think he will be the best coach that Auburn's had in a very long time. Because yeah. after the game, called Kubelik, you know, was talking to him, he's like, Auburn's not dead. He's like, we will be back. He's like, Auburn isn't going anywhere. Yeah. And that's the kind of fire you need from a coach. Yeah. But I think it's time to close it out here. Um, as always, guys, our social medias, we got Instagram, nothing.finer.pod. We put up the new ASW giveaway. We've got the Twitter, at FinerPod. The giveaway is also on Twitter. Facebook group is just search Nothing Finer Podcast on Facebook. You'll find the group. And then the YouTube channel. We are, we. I mean, we got some videos with a ton of views on there, but if we get more subscribers, we'll start doing, uh, we'll start doing our Tuesday night post rankings live show on YouTube. Um, that way get, you guys can comment on there a little bit easier and it's a little bit more seamless to do that. Um, we still have the Gmail, nothingfinerpod at gmail.com. Is there anything else? Yeah. Um, if you're on our Instagram page, our football playoff rankings are the predictions we're expecting for this week, <laughs> not the end of the season. And even though it says prediction on the graphic <laughs> and bold prediction <laughs> in, the, in the caption, people get angry at us every week. Every week. Every Every week. Well, Ohio State's going to beat Michigan, and Michigan won't be in there. Like, cool. This is what we think is going to happen on, you know, Tuesday. Right. So just keep that in and mind. I think we both think Michigan's better than Ohio State. Yes. But we're predicting what ESPN and the playoff committee are going to say. <laughs> and we hit it on the head last week. 100% correct last week. 100%. All right. That's all I have to say. That's it. All right, guys. Always remember, there is nothing finer in the land than a drunk, obnoxious Georgia fan. Biggest third down in Bryce Young's career. You need 10. Play clock at four. From the pocket. Launching downfield. Underthrown and intercepted. Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. All the way to the end zone. And Georgia is going to conquer 